Hello, welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is Series 3, Episode 48 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as we conclude our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials, covering February the 8th to February the 14th, Doctrine and Covenants 12 to 13, and Joseph Smith History, Section 1, Verses 66 to 75, Upon You, My Fellow Servants. And today, we're finishing the section which is titled, Ordinances Give Me Access to God's Power, covered in Joseph Smith History. Now, as you know, uh, we kind of came to the end of Joseph Smith's record of this um, momentous and um, milestone event in the uh, restoration of the uh, the Church of Jesus Christ. But uh, we are going to have a look today at Oliver's words. There's not so much difference in the event, but there is some interesting insights we get when we uh, consider Oliver's point of view and what he has to say about the restoration of his priesthood. So if we go to the pages, um, he begins by saying, These were days never to be forgotten, to sit under the sound of a voice dictated by the inspiration of heaven, awakened to the utmost gratitude of this bosom. Day after day I continued, interrupted, uninterrupted, to write from his mouth as he translated with the Urim and Thummim, or, as the Nephites would have said, interpreters, the history or record called the Book of Mormon. I love that start. These were days never to be forgotten. Uh, Dean M. Davies said this, quote, Oliver's words convey the first elements that accompany true worship of the divine, a sense of majestic awe and profound thanksgiving. Every day, but especially on the Sabbath day, we have the extraordinary opportunity to experience the wonder and awe of heaven and offer our praises to God for his blessed goodness and overwhelming mercy. This will lead us to hope. These are the first elements of worship, close quote. Do we have that same wonder and gratitude and thanksgiving that um, Oliver Cowdery has uh, when he recounts his experience? Of course, we've not perhaps gone through the same kind of level of spiritual um, vistas that Oliver Cowdery has, but we still can have a sense of awe and gratitude when we worship, especially on the Sabbath day when we partake of the sacrament. If we prepare prepare properly, that is something that is promised to us, that we can have the Spirit to be with us, and that gives us that sense of awe and gratitude. Um, so it continues, and uh, Oliver Cowdery um, starts to kind of outline when this all began. He says, no men in their sober senses could translate and write the directions given to the Nephites from the mouth of the Saviour of the precise manner in which men should build up his church, and especially when corruption had spread an uncertainty over all forms and systems practised among men, without desiring privilege of showing the willingness of the heart by being buried in the liquid grave to answer a good conscience by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I absolutely love this. Like, he's talking about baptism here, but he's not mentioned the word baptism. And he mentions a liquid grave. Like, it's just poetic uh, language. And it just shows you kind of the different um, personalities or mannerisms or or writing styles even of Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. Joseph Smith is very much matter-of-fact. We've talked about why this might be in the past, that he, first of all, is probably not as learned enough to have this poetic language uh, in his own records, which is interesting when you consider how poetic and flowery the language is at times in the Book of Mormon. Um, you know, it's an, again another witness that it is given, the words are given from God and not from Joseph. But um, 
or that they're given from God through Joseph. But what's interesting as well is that, um, you know, and we've talked about this already, that that uh, Joseph has already had multiple experiences with the divine, whereas this was Oliver Cowdery's first, like, not, well, it's not his first vision, because, of course, if you remember, he did have a vision of sorts, which led him to go and visit Joseph Smith. But this is the first, you know, in the moment, in the flesh experience where he has seen an angel and he has had this miraculous uh, encounter with the divine. Uh, and he clearly is just really trying to express in words just the joy and the wonder and the awesome power that was felt uh, when when the, when he experienced this. Um, so he carries on uh, talking about, you know, the events that were happening at the time of the Nephites when they had this question of baptism. Um, and then he describes them going to go and pray, go and pray. And just look, listen to this absolute wonder he, he feels. This was not long desired before it was realized. The Lord, who is rich in mercy and ever willing to answer the consistent prayer of the humble, after we had called upon him in a fervent manner, aside from the abodes of men, condescended to manifest to us his will. On a sudden, as from the midst of eternity, the voice of the Redeemer spoke peace to us, while the veil was parted and the angel of God came down clothed with glory and delivered the anxiously looked for message and the keys of the gospel of repentance. What joy, what wonder, what amazement, while the world was racked and distracted, while millions were groping as the blind for the wall, and while all men were resting upon uncertainty as a general mass, our eyes beheld, our eyes heard, as in the blaze of day, yes, more, above the glitter of the May sunbeam, which then shed its brilliancy over the face of nature. Then his voice, through though mild, pierced the censer, and his words, I am thy fellow servant, dispelled every fear. We listened, we gazed, we admired. "'Twas the voice of an angel from glory. "'Twas a message from the Most High. "'And as we heard, we rejoiced, "'while his love enkindled upon our souls, "'and we were wrapped in the vision of the Almighty. "'Where was where was room for doubt? "'Nowhere. "'Uncertainty had fled. "'Doubt had sunk, no more to rise, "'while fiction and, and deception had fled forever.'" Like, again, just wonderful, wonderful words. I could read, like, pages and pages of this type of language all day. Um... You can really sense just the gratitude and the wonder that Oliver Cowdery had during this vision. And I think that um, what we need to remember is just the blessings that come from this and why Oliver Cowdery is so amazed and happy. Because, of course, you know, those of us living today have had the blessing of having had the, the, the restored gospel on the earth for 190 years. Um, whereas Oliver Cowdery, in his time, that wasn't on the earth. It hadn't been around for centuries and so the fact that this authority was being restored was a huge, significant thing. And I think once we read his words, um, compared to Joseph Smith's, we start to understand just how much joy they will have been feeling. And I'm sure Joseph Smith will have felt the same joy. Um, he perhaps just didn't wasn't able to express it in such powerful language, or perhaps he, he had just gotten used to this experience more so. Either way, I mean, both could be correct. Um, either way, though, it's still an absolute blessing to understand just the impact this had on those two men, but also the impact it's had on generations to come afterwards. Um, he then talks about the prayer that's given when they are given the Aaronic priesthood, and he carries on. I shall not attempt to paint to you the feelings of this heart, nor the majestic beauty and glory which surround us on this occasion, but you will believe me when I say that earth, 
nor men with the eloquence of time cannot begin to clothe language in as interesting and sublime a manner as this holy personage. No, nor has this earth power to give the joy to bestow the peace or comprehend the wisdom which was contained in each sentence as they were delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man may deceive his fellow men, deception may follow deception, and the children of the wicked one may have power to seduce the foolish and untaught, till naught. But fiction feeds the many, and the fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. But one touch with the finger of his love, yes, one ray of glory from the upper world, or one word from the mouth of the Saviour from the bosom of eternity, strikes it all into insignificance, and blots it forever from the mind. The assurance that we were in the presence of an angel, the certainty that we heard the voice of Jesus, and the truth unsullied as it flowed from the pure personage, dictated by the will of God, is to me past description, and I shall ever look upon this expression of the Saviour's goodness with wonder and thanksgiving, while I am permitted to tarry, in, and in those mansions where perfection dwells and sin never comes, I hope to adore in that day, which shall never cease. Um, and this, so this was written in 1834, um, and about five years later, and for Oliver Cowdery to be able to put into words, as best as he can, the joy that he felt uh, is wonderful. And so I'm sorry that I've, for most of this session, kind of read from that account, but I thought it was worth it because I, I certainly don't remember reading this account all the way through myself. myself. And so I, I recommend this day, uh, as we kind of finish the study for this week, for you to have a read through it yourself and just think about how do you show your gratitude and your uh, thanksgiving to, to, uh, to our Heavenly Father for the blessings that we've been given uh, this day. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please do uh, continue to follow and subscribe and uh, listen. And you can join the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me, if you're interested in sharing more about what you've studied. And you can also email session at gmail.com if you'd like to join in a future podcast episode yourselves. Thank you for your time and until we meet again.